Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for being part of our services this morning. And hopefully you've had some time to chat in with our host and chat in with some other people. If you're listening on demand or if you're listening through our podcast or you're watching on demand, I'll get those things switched up. We want to say thank you for making us part of your morning, your afternoon, your walk. Thank you so much for listening to this message. So what I want to do is I want to recap kind of where we were last week, and then we also want to take communion together today. So we have quite the morning uh, set aside, but here's what we want to do. We want to quickly recap. And so the purpose of this series is to build on the statement that was made in June about an injustice. And we've sort of seen racial tension flare up. We've also seen philosophical differences flare up in our country. And we felt like it was really important to address it. And we wanted to give some time because we really wanted to respond instead of just react. And there's a difference. We talked about that last week. Now, my intention from from you in the statement as well as last week and this week is to be very clear and centered on Jesus. And so he is our North Star. The gospel is the our North Star. And it's our true North. And so we want to make sure we're following that direction. So I started out with a story last week about a conversation that I had with a co-worker at a Home Depot in Dallas, Texas, almost 13 years ago. And basically, the gist of the story was uh, we had an argument, and in the heat of that argument, he asked me to apologize on behalf of my ancestors the way we treated his ancestors. So I was very clear that our family was from Germany well after uh, the Civil War. We came over here through Ellis Island, and we settled in Pittsburgh, and we were bricklayers. And so he just had me mistaken. So... Our manager ends up coming up and he splits us apart. I go one direction, he goes the other direction. We end up clocking out and it was on my night, it was on my mind throughout the night as well as the next day. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I have to make this relationship right. How I handled myself, my tone was out of out of line. So I knew I had to make that right. So I clock in, he beat me there over the receiving department when we talk. And I remember just apologizing to him, man, I'm so sorry for my tone. I believe that my tone escalated the conversation. And we talked for that shift as well as the next couple of months before he went on somewhere else. We talked through, and you know what? We agreed on a lot of things, but we saw the world differently. We saw good, we saw evil, we saw it differently. And one of the things that I believe the reason why we saw the world differently is because how we really how we landed on Jesus, what we believed about Jesus was different. And I believe that led us to see the world differently. So last week we saw that Jesus lived in a time of racism, of prejudice, of oppression, of slavery. He lived in a time where Roman uh, empire had a class system. We look at America now and he gives us some handles, and then we looked at last week three handles that we can get from Jesus and how we can handle that type of world now. But quite honestly, it was different back then. The, the beauty of the U.S. Constitution is it gives freedom. It's it very clear that all men, and this is written in the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal. And what the Constitution does, it reaffirms that with rights and equality. Imagine this, and really, quite honestly, think about this. For thousands and thousands of years, slavery existed. The moment the U.S. Constitution was put in place, it not only, I mean, think about it, 
240 years, within 240 years, we had a black president. That's amazing. Think of how quick that was. And a lot of it was because of the U.S. Constitution, and it was rooted in Judeo-Christian beliefs that we as America were founded as a Christianized nation. So Jesus goes through, and it was pretty rough in his time, and he gives us some handles, and there are three things that we picked up from Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, not only are you invited to follow these things, but commanded to do these things. The first is this, is that he saw class and color, and he had elevated identity. He saw class and color, and he elevated identity. I mean, just imagine she was just like anyone else. She was just like anyone else. And how Jesus saw her was that she was made in the image of God, that she was an Im- image bearer, and that was her identity. Whether she recognized it or not, Jesus saw her as an image bearer. And y'all, we need to see each other as image bearers. Whether you recognize it or not, you've been made in the image of God, which means that is your identity. You carry that with you. You and I, we are made in the image of God. And regardless of our hues, We've all been made in God's image, which means that he was intentional with how he created you, where he put you, and when he decided to put you there. Post-resurrection, you and I, we have the opportunity to believe in Jesus, believe in his death and resurrection. By, By believing in what Jesus did for us to reconcile us back to God, when we believe, we are adopted into God's family. Being an adopted son or daughter of God is your identity if you believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That is central to who you are. That means that being a son or daughter of God is central to who you are, which means that being a son or daughter of God goes before being black, white, Hispanic. It goes beyond independent, democratic, or republican goes beyond that it is central to who you are being adopted son or daughter of god the second thing that jesus elevated is that he saw culture and he elevated hope he saw culture he saw the differences and he elevated hope notice the things that jesus didn't tell her hey become jewish hey i need you to apologize for how your ancestors treated my ancestors because there was a long history between the people of the north and the jewish people Huge history, huge history. Notice that her response that we're going to read in a little bit, it gave her hope that Jesus didn't ignore her, but he addressed her. The third thing that Jesus elevated is that he saw faith and he elevated healing. He elevated healing. You know, when our faith is on display, healing should be elevated. When our faith is on display, it means that we'll keep Jesus at the center of the conversation. It means that we will be committed to the teachings of Jesus and the Bible. That we're not going to compromise those teachings based on culture. When our faith is on display, it means that we see people for who they are. They are image bearers. When we um, put our faith on display, that we listen to the pleas and the request of others. Those are the three things that we looked at last week. And what we want to do now is we want to dive back in and answer this question today. What does it look like to elevate healing? What does it look like to elevate healing? And we're specifically look at racism. You know, it's a term that honestly doesn't make a lot of sense to me, um, especially when there's 
one human race, it seems like the issue is more culture. And culture could be defined as how we view and live our lives. How we view and live our lives. Like if you ever travel the world, there is a lot of quote-unquote racism, but it has to do with culture. You have people of different hues that despise each other because of different views. Uh, When traveling over the Middle East, there are people who look the same, but yet because they had different views, they didn't like each other. You had Sunnis and Shiites. You had Arabs and Israelis, Palestinians and Israelis. Very clear that there was a a tension, a deep-rooted tension between the two. It had nothing to do with their hues. It had everything to do with their views. Like this has been around for a very long time, before Jesus and after Jesus. Jews and Gentiles were at odds with each other culturally. And the beautiful thing about the death and resurrection of Jesus is it gives us the power to live in a way where we elevate healing. So notice how Jesus elevated healing and even how the woman elevated healing. So then Jesus left Galilee and went north of the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. A little girl was possessed by an evil spirit. She's coming to Jesus as a mom. She begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile born in Syria and Phoenicia, and we talked last week that they were the purple people. Now, regardless of whether she was purple or not, we know that that's where she was from. Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, now catch this, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. So a couple handles out of this that we can pull as we elevate healing. One, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Man, when things get emotionally charged, we usually reverse the order of this. We really do. When things get emotionally charged, when we're talking about politics, or maybe we're talking about whether cats or dogs are better, or maybe for you it comes down to sports or football, We usually reverse the order of this. See, this woman, she was very quick to listen to what Jesus had to say. And because she was willing to listen, she had a very clever response that Jesus really liked. Jesus himself, he listened. Notice what Jesus' brother James says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. One of the Proverbs that was floating around that mostly uh, the Jews would have memorized would have been this. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Second thing that we can pull from this is that it's important to see the full picture and take a step back. To see the full picture, take a step back. For some of us, man, we can't see the, the forest because of the trees. We're so ingrained in all that. But notice that the woman was able to take a step back and she saw the full picture. 
one of the things that Jesus says sounds really racist. It, it, it's almost like he refers to her as a dog, but we've, we talked last week that wasn't the case at all. See, Paul writes in Romans 1, he says this, he says, the gospel was written, was given first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. What it meant was, it wasn't that the Jewish people were better than the Gentiles. What it meant was that God chose Israel to send the Messiah through, not only to save one nation, but to draw people from all nations to himself. It was a Jewish Messiah. Both cultures, we looked at last week, were filled with beauty and brokenness, just like our American culture. And Jesus saw more at play than simply healing her daughter. One of the things was having her model her faith as a non-Jew in front of Jews. See, there's usually more than meets the eye in the things that we hear and see. There's a lot of things that are going on. I think for some of us, we were quick to jump on uh, some of the mo- movements that were, that were happening in the last couple of weeks. We were very quick to jump on it. And then we kind of figure out, oh my goodness, what, what they're really about, we had no idea about. See, for some of us, we are we're quick to jump on what seems morally right then as we dig deeper or someone we trust digs deeper, we come to find out it's not as morally right as we were led to believe. For others of us, we have so much suspicion of people and cultures that we're the opposite. We're the opposite of believing the best and then inspecting the rest. Man, we're the opposite, man. We are suspicious before we're willing to trust. We miss seeing the beauty of other cultures because we're so focused on the brokenness of that culture. Man, I've talked with people who don't like a particular who or a particular culture because they had one bad experience with someone. Man, in both cases, the truth is missed, either because of ignorance or because of arrogance. All right, let's fast forward 15 years and look at a different part of this region in Syria. After the church began to grow in Jerusalem, there was a persecution, and people began to leave Jerusalem and go and plant other churches in the known world at the time. And so 15 years from when this story happens to when we find this written about the church at Antioch. Now notice, this is so important. Luke describes what the church at Antioch looks like. He says this, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, which meant he had a different hue and a different culture, Manon, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. Now, Herod was the same Herod talked about during Jesus' trial. This is why this is so important. The church at Antioch was getting it right when the church of Jerusalem was getting it wrong. The church of Jerusalem, they were arguing whether or not Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become Christians. But yet, that was nothing, nothing like that was happening in Antioch. You had Gentiles and Jews becoming Christians. One didn't have to become the other. Notice the diversity in Antioch. Antioch was a church with diverse leadership. Man, some of these were Jews and some of these were Gentiles. What the gospel did is it brought these men together and held these men together as they led the church in Antioch. So the gospel not only brought them together, but held them together. In a couple chapters further in Acts, we find that 
Paul and Barnabas, they go to Jerusalem to explain, man, Gentiles were becoming followers of Jesus without becoming Jewish. The second thing we could pull from what Luke wrote about the diverse leadership in Antioch was this, is that Antioch sets the tone by allowing the gospel to unify. Antioch sets the tone by allowing the gospel to unify. Regardless of what these men look like, whatever their culture was, no matter what their childhood friend was, the gospel was and is open to anyone who believes in Jesus' death and resurrection. That's so important. The gospel, what it did is it provided them their identity, man. They were an adopted son or daughter of God. And we become family regardless of our culture, color, or baggage. So, let's make what we've seen from Jesus and the church in Antioch applicable and practical. So notice what Paul writes to a church with different cultures. He says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles in one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now here's the catch. Here's, here's what Paul is trying to explain to us is Jesus' death at the hands of both Jews and Gentiles provided life to both Jews and Gentiles. Look, both Jews and Gentiles played a part in Jesus' crucifixion. And all of us played a part in when our sins were placed on Jesus at the cross so that we could be made right with God through Jesus' sacrifice. Jews and Gentiles, the thing that we have in common, whether you have a different view than me or maybe you have a different hue than me, the thing that all of us have in common is the fact that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short and all of us need, need to be reconciled to God. One culture isn't better than the other. And Paul was very clear. Jews were not better than Gentiles. Gentiles were not better than Jews. It's the fact that the Jews were chosen as the nation that God would, that God would uh, send his Messiah through, not just to save that one nation, but people from all nations. Like There's a danger, and just like it was in the church of Jerusalem, there's a danger in the belief that you have to be like something or you have to change in order to follow Jesus. The truth of the matter is that's like saying that it, you need to be like me in order for you to follow Jesus. And that's not true. That's very, very dangerous. The fact of the matter is that what I think I, one thing I love about our church is I mean, we do everything we can to help you to, to be inspired to follow Jesus. And we believe the Holy Spirit will help you and navigate you and lead you to, to bring about change in your life. But our responsibility as leaders is to inspire you to follow Jesus, to take that step of faith. Now notice how Jesus broke down the wall of hostility. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God's to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Here's what happened. Jesus ended the Jewish law because he fulfilled it. He was the perfect one. He was the perfect sacrifice. And salvation, remember, doesn't come from following the law. It comes from believing and trusting in Jesus' once and for all final sacrifice. And Jesus started the church. That was the movement of his followers practicing his commands and teachings which was one new people filled with both Jews and Gentiles. 
And so he created some new things. He instituted two things for us to identify as, man, we are his new people. Just like the law was very clear, circumcision was very clear. Hey, you're a Jewish person by following the law, being circumcised. But for us to identify ourselves as the church, there's two things that Jesus put in place for us to be identified as the church. The first is baptism. The second is communion. So let's talk about baptism. Baptism signifies publicly that, man, I'm all in and I'm part of this new people. The Lord's Supper remembers what it cost Jesus so that you and I could be part of this new people. It remembers that the wall of hostility was broken down between people of different cultures. So look, when we take the Lord's Supper, and we're going to be doing that in just a few moments, we still have hostility towards another brother or sister in Christ, then we're showing Maybe you're not saying it, but you're showing that Jesus' death wasn't enough to break down that wall of hostility. See, the blood of Jesus, it breaks down barriers. See, by creating barriers, the implication is Jesus' death and resurrection isn't enough. Like as you look at our church, and maybe for you, you're listening or watching for the first time, and you've never, you've never, been, part of, you've never been part of any in-person gathering let me paint a picture of what our church looks like, what it feels like. We have people from all types of cultures and backgrounds. There's diversity in our church. There's white, there's brown, there's black, there's yellow. There's European, African, Asian, Latin American, Mexican, and Canadian. We have police officers and we have protesters. We have those who are pro-choice and we have those who are pro-life. We have conservatives, we have independents, and we have liberals. We have those who have a background of being Catholic or being a Protestant or being atheist or even agnostic. And when we take the Lord's Supper together as a church, we're saying that Jesus' death is enough. And it broke down the wall of hostility that I may have towards people that aren't like me. That I can sit down and I can sit across and I can, I can break and share the Lord's Supper with someone who doesn't believe what I believe about politics, about my culture. Because the thing that we have in common is that we've been forgiven and that we've been brought into this family. Fact is that you are my brother or sister in Christ if you made a decision to follow Jesus. By believing in his death and resurrection, we're family. And we're bonded together through Jesus' blood. One of the things for our church looks very clear is that we have our volunteers and our leadership. We sign an annual commitment each and every year. And this covenant shows that we're lockstep with mission, vision, and core beliefs. And we expect our volunteers, we expect our leaders to sign that each and every year to make sure that we are going in the same direction together. So what we want to do now is we want to take a few minutes to gather up our Lord's Supper or our communion, get those elements together. In just a couple minutes, I'm going to come back on and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together.